There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into our podcast. We certainly appreciate each and every one of you listening. We would like to thank all of our listeners and those that tuned in during Testimony Week. And what a blessing it was to hear the testimonies of so many religious people that truly got born of God. How we thank the Lord for that. I've had many conversations in the past week with folks that have listened, uh, discussed the things they've heard on the podcast. One man said it on this wise. He said, it's wonderful. There's no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. He said, you hear these testimonies, there's no form to it. It's not just a pattern. It's not uh, somebody that, that took a template and they wrote their name inside of that template. No, each individual had an individual response to God. Each one had an individual responsibility to God. And each one of them came to God on his terms. And how we thank God for that. That is true salvation. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we rejoice in the goodness of God in saving so many religious people and having the privilege for them to speak on this podcast. We have one more yet to come. I will use that at a later date. Uh, One of the nights when I get home late and I realize I haven't recorded anything or just as the Lord sees fit, uh, maybe put that podcast out. We have one more testimony in store and how we thank the Lord for that. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews and how we thank the Lord for the direction he's given us. A very difficult book in some ways, yet very complex, very simple in other ways. And yet we're going to deal with the book of Hebrews. You pray for us, pray that God would give us understanding of not only the things we need understanding of, but then that we would also be able to convey those things to you, the listener, to gain a better understanding of the doctrine of the book of Hebrews. The epistle of Paul, the apostle to Hebrews. Now, immediately you're under contention with those to say, well, we don't know that Hebrews was written by Paul. Well, if you have a good King James Bible, the subscript also tells you, and then the end of the chapter, it tells you, written to the Hebrews from Italy by Timothy. And therefore, if you're counting King James Bible, you should have that notation in there. It's the liberals and the scholars, if you will, that take out those notations and that understanding. It's like those that remove uh, the superscript of the Psalms. When he tells you who wrote the Psalm, where they wrote the Psalm, how it was to be sung, how it was to be played, if it was to be a prayer or not. All those things are contained within a Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament, and truly these things were contained in the New Testament. And it's scholars that try to remove these things. Now they contend with, did Paul really write the book of Hebrews? The Word of God told you he did. If you have a good Bible, it tells you that the book was written by Paul. There's so many of the characteristics and trademarks that Paul Statements that Paul made, things that Paul said, that certainly the word of God that we have in the book of Hebrews was written by the apostle Paul, and it was written to the Hebrews, and then it also told us it was from Italy by Timothy. 
And we have to say that Paul, most likely, many scholars think, and of course we can't trust the scholars in one way, I guess we're going to trust them in another way, uh, that his eyesight was so poor at this time. That's why he wrote in such a large hand. And now Timothy is writing this on his behalf, is what we have understanding of. There are others that would disagree with that. I don't care what you believe about that, to be honest with you. You probably don't care what I believe about that. So let's just go on to the book of Hebrews. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now, it's very base. You know, it is at different times. A sundry shop, and I remember going to the Gettysburg reenactment some 15 years ago, and there were sundry shops there, or sundry tents. They have a little bit of everything. It's just a whole different variety of things. It's a different, uh, different needles and different threads and candies and lozenges and horseshoes and bits and na- nails and pieces of cloth and leather and hats and a little bit of everything. They're a sundry shop. And so God went sundry times. What is that? It's different prophecies. How did God do that? Well, he spoke to Adam in his day. He spoke to Abraham in his day. These are different times that God spake. Yet every one of these prophecies points to one great event, and that is the manifestation of Jesus Christ on earth in flesh, that man could see Jesus Christ, he would be revealed to man bodily, and that man would know and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. All of these point to that great event, that great time. In sundry times and in divers' manners. Again, what are divers' manners? Well, they're just unusual ways or unique ways or very special ways that God spoke to these men. And the word of God said this, he spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Again, the voice of God appeared to Adam walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And that's caused some contention for me. I had a man one time and said, well, you know what that is. It's just God walking in the garden. I said, no, the word of God was walking in the garden. He said the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I wasn't going to argue with the man over that, but it's pretty clear. It wasn't just God. He has this vague idea of who God is, not understand that God is certainly unique in three persons. When you see Jesus Christ, you see the fullness of the Godhead bodily, but God was walking. He appeared to Adam. How did he appear to Abraham? Different than he appeared to Jacob. Jacob wrestled with him all night long. Word of God tells us that. That's a different time. It's a different manner. It's an unusual way. He came and spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. Then he came and spoke to Moses face to face. And by the way, as he spoke to him as a friend, it's interesting. I find out Aaron is there. And Miriam's been stricken with leprosy. Aram has his, his holy garments upon him, therefore he's not going to be stricken with leprosy, but he's trembling, and God didn't speak to his high priest. God went and spoke to Moses. Why? He spoke to him like he spoke to a friend. He went to him face to face. Again, he spoke to him in a different way. It was a different time. It was a different manner. God spoke to David in the cave of Adullam. Where did God tells us that? God appeared to him. We know that God came to men in dreams. We know that God appeared to men in, in visions. God appeared to men as the angel of the Lord. God appeared unto men. He, he saw him in fire. We saw him in clouds. We saw him in storms. We saw God appear to men. We saw the storm in Jonah, and God revealed himself to Jonah. And out of the belly of hell, Jonah said, cried I. Where was he at? He was in the whale's belly. What is he crying? Why is he crying out of the belly of hell? He's a prophet of God. And God has used these times and used these manners to give us the word of God. And he said this spoken to us by the prophet. Which prophets? All of them. And a young man told me recently, he said he's been looking to see Jesus Christ in each of the prophecies. And he said he was struggling there in the minor prophets. And he's a young man that testified by the Corey on this uh, very podcast last week. He said he's struggling to see him in some of the minor prophets. And it dawned on him. I'll take Joel for an example. Joel starts with this. The word of the Lord that came to Joel. 
Now, it's pretty easy to see Jesus Christ there, isn't it? Why? He's the word of the Lord. The words of Amos, and I actually sent this, this back to him. I thought it was interesting because he starts Amos with the words of Amos. Then he gives it verse 3. What are the words of Amos? Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> Amos' prophecy. What is he prophesying? The word of the Lord. And so we see Christ in that. We see the understanding. He came to Amos, and it's the words of Amos, yet God was speaking through him. The Apostle Paul told us about that. Peter told us about in that next chapter too. And then Peter wrote in how they spake by the Spirit of Christ. We've talked about that in the podcast. First person versus third person. Have an understanding of the Word of God. But the Word of God then says, And hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. It's no longer prophecy. It's the Son of God. The fulfillment of all prophecy. And again, you go to Prophecy Conference today. I've said this many times on the podcast. And if people are looking for end times prophecy, they wonder about that great war with the dragon. I know lost people. They're more interested in the war with the dragon than they are about their own soul. They want to know what's going to take place in the book of Revelation. They watch the Left Behind series and they watch all the latter day doctrines and they have prophecy conferences and they don't realize that most, most of that prophecy was given to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're so selfish, we don't apply that to us today. How does the book of Revelation apply to us? No, how does the book of Revelation apply to Jesus Christ? That's what we need to understand. How does Jonah apply to me? Well, the same way it applies to everybody. It's the person of Jesus Christ. It's the testimony of Jonah. And yes, so many miss that. They've been taught that that word hell, there's not hell. They've been taught that that's really the grave. And Jonah died in the whale's belly. And they're in the bars of the whale's belly as though the bars of his belly are the bones, the rib cage of the whale. And it's interesting, if you're in the whale's belly... And you understand whales, you look at the physiology of whales, they literally have a sack within them, that's their stomach, that processes and digests food. And if Jonah had died there, it would have devoured his body. He wasn't outside the sack of the belly, and he wasn't out there strumming the, uh, the ribs of the whale, so to speak. But that's just the foolishness they come up with when they don't believe the word of God. The bars that held him in were certainly not the bars of the, of the skeleton of a whale. But they were the same bars that restrained Jesus Christ. The same bars that prevented him, the word of God said. And yet he overcame that. The prevention had come upon him, yet Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He came out of hell, crossed over that great gulf. He drew me out of many waters. That's Jesus Christ. And so God spoke to these last days unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, but whom also he made the world's. And years ago, I heard an old preacher man speaking of the book of Hebrews, and he gave these three things. I hope you take note of this. When he said Hebrews is really three things. It's prophecy, it's promises, but it's also the providence of God. He prophesies of his son, the fulfillment of the promises of God through his son because of the providence of God. And you know, recently, I'd made a statement. I'd made it uh, to several folks via a text message had some folks disagree with a few things I said. That never bothered me too much. I'm wrong a lot. And so as I looked at that, what I realized is so much of Scripture we apply to us. We try to make application. That preacher's wife had made a statement to her husband. She said, for so long I tried to apply this psalm to me in my disconsolation and my discomfort, and I tried to appease myself in this psalm when I realized this prophesying of Jesus Christ had nothing to do with me. And I'm trying to find comfort in something that's prophesying of Christ. 
Can I say to you, friends that listen, is there any greater comfort than seeing Christ in Scripture? Is there any greater comfort than knowing that God has ministered to us by the Word of God to allow us to see His dear Son in Scripture? And yet we try to plug ourselves into these Scriptures. Well, it's interesting in the book of Hebrews. It's very difficult to plug yourself into the book of Hebrews outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, a carnal man has trouble with the book of Hebrews because he can't fit in these verses. He cannot fit in this Scripture. But a spirit-filled man, he'll have no trouble fitting in these scriptures because he realizes that everything in him that's good is in Christ, and he is in Christ, and Christ is in Hebrews. He's the heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So the word of God said is he was appointed heir of all things. This is specific. This is him only. This is not something that just fell upon him. This was something given to him, who being the brightness of his glory, and notice this, and the express image of his person. Now, there's two distinct things there. The brightness of his glory. Who's the brightness of the glory of God? Jesus Christ. What do men preach today? They preach on the Shekinah glory being that cloud that covers the tabernacle. No, the cloud covered the brightness. The cloud separated man and God. The cloud is not the glory. The brightness of the glory of God is within that tabernacle. He that dwelleth upon the mercy seat, he that dwelleth between the cherubims, he that sitteth between the cherubims, that is Jesus Christ. We know that according to scripture. That brightness that came out was the brightness of God himself in the person of Jesus Christ because he is the brightness of his glory. Word of God tells that cloud has hid God from man. That's why God used the cloud. Because that brightness otherwise would have overthrown that brightness, probably would have killed them. And so God used a cloud to separate. And the men today, I hear him preach the cloud is the glory. No, the cloud covers the glory because Jesus Christ is the glory of God. Holiness is the glory of God. Holiness. By the way, that holiness is in the person of Jesus Christ. And the express image of his person. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Speaking of the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, Jesus Christ said, I will come to you. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's the express image of the person of God. And in the word of God, said, upholding all things by the word of his power. Upholding all things. And therefore, we see that in Scripture. Verse 20 of Ephesians 1, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Stephen saw him standing on the right hand of God. The Lord standeth in judgment. And so he has sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. But what did he do before he did that? He himself had purged our sins. What a wonderful promise. What a wonderful glory. What a wonderful thing to see that Jesus Christ, the express image of God, the brightness of his glory by himself had purged our sins and then sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, do not be confused. The majesty on high does not denote just the Father. The majesty on high denotes the very presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ on the right hand of the majesty. Therefore, we see the majesty of God, and we see Christ on the right hand of that majesty. Tomorrow, we'll start again in verse 4. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy.
You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.